the other day about uh, an old preacher, Billy Cole, and a time she got to meet him at a youth uh, manifest in Maryland. And she said he was so funny because he had a picture of his granddaughter in his wallet. And after, uh, you know, all the, if you know him, you know the Lord used him in such mighty, mighty ways. And, uh, you know, when he could tell a story about anything, what he chose to do was pull out the pictures of his granddaughter from his wallet and show this is the thing I'm proud of. This is the thing I love. That's the same feeling I have in, in my soul towards the Lord and how good he is and how there is no one like him. He's, he's better than the best. Amen. I'm thankful for the Lord. Praise God. On, on Sunday, we got to hear from a couple of people that went to the Landmark Conference, Brother Hart and Brother Jared. Uh, I asked Sister Magda, why doesn't she plan to take some time tonight and share with us what uh, some of the things that she received. And just like I told these gentlemen on Sunday, um, the congregation, I believe the congregation can receive from what ministry was received by those there. Amen. So, Sister Magda, I'm going to let you come and share with us. Amen. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. It's an honor to be here um, to speak because God did a mighty thing. And um, there was so much, so much preaching, so much word, so much power. Um, and and re to receive and to learn and just to take. And um, I, I, I was just in awe. It was, a, it, was, it was awesome. And what really stuck out to me, what really um, got my spirit, and, um, and I thought, you know, this is something that, that not just me, all the ladies that were there, we, uh, was Sister Flowers who was, um, who preached, and she gave a, testimony of her journey and I thought wow that's hard her I don't uh, whoever saw the 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 videos the uh the links of the, of her preaching that's hard she went through some hard stuff and I thought my goodness my goodness I mean we all go through stuff and that was really hard to swallow. I mean I I I believe that every woman in that place had a knot in their throat because of what she went through. And so but it was a strength because of her, of her love for God and and uh, the love that she had that she had to humble herself. She had to humble herself to to forgive her father and him being a pastor and forgive him. And I thought, oh my goodness, you know. And um, she, she read out of Jeremiah 42.10. And um, um, it says, Jeremiah 42.10 says, if you will still remain in this land, then I will build you and not pull you down. And I will plant you and not pluck you up. And I thought, my God, thank you, Jesus. Because we go through things, and when we put our trust in God, this is his word, and this is what he tells us that he will do. And he has, I know that he has, he has, We've gone through things, and he has pulled us, pulled us out. He's pulled up, uh, out of, the, of the, that fiery furnace, the, 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 the bad, the darkness. He's pulled us out. And, you know, when, 
she was speaking, um, a lot of things came to my mind and of my past and a lot of things that I went through. And I thought, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, because, because of that pain, the, th the things that I've gone through, I'm still here. He's built me, and he's given me faith, and he's given me strength to keep on and on. And um, I just want to say that this is probably going to be a little bit surprising, but prayer doesn't always change things. And you're probably thinking, what? What are you talking about? But there's sometimes that prayer changes you until things change. It changes you until things change because there's things in our heart that God wants to, he wants to remove. He wants to correct. He wants to clean. He wants to take out. He wants to pull you out because he wants to build you. So when you build, he, he's going he's gonna to build you and, and he's going to bring you to where he wants you to be, to where he wants to put you, where he wants to use you. And this sister flowers, I thought, my goodness, um, he built her. He built her from that pain and shame. And I just couldn't, I just couldn't get over it. And I thought, wow. And um, so he will, he will put you in a place where he wants to put you. He's going to, he's going to use you, build you. He's going to plant you. And so what a little if we just build if we just build your altar with sowing your seed in prayer there was so much preaching another part of a preaching was don't lose faith in your seed don't lose your faith in that seed and so sowing your seed in prayer with fervent supplications so it's like, build me, Lord. And she said, she was, God's got to build you because this, his word right here says he's going to build us. He will build us. And so for me, it was like, Lord God, build me to be a house of prayer. Build me to be a house of prayer. Build me to be a house of faith, a house of strength, a house of love, and a house of worship and praise, a temple for God to dwell that he may be glorified, that he may be glorified, that he may be lifted up, that he will show that his, his mercy and grace and his love will build us and keep on going. Because we are, the Bible says we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And when we fill our lives and our faith and we just, 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 just keep on, keep on, but we gotta stay strong and faithful in his word, faithful in, in walking with him and being in his presence, reading your word, praying, fasting, whatever, walking in his ways, keeping his judgments, his commandments, his statutes, keeping all of that, and he will build you. He will give you strength to get through whatever you need to get through. It doesn't matter what it is, but he will do it. But our faith to be in him. And so she, she, she said, she said, I, I, want, I want everybody to say, God is building me. If everybody can say that right now, God is building me. And I will be built. I will be built because of the faith, his his strength and his favor and his and he he wants he wants us he wants us to be with him he wants he wants to build us up and so i i'm i'm just so thankful that i've gone through what i've gone through there is power in pain there is power in pain because he's building us and sometimes we think why are you doing this to us lord why? Why are you doing this to me? Why am I here? Why am I in this place? But have we ever stopped to think, I'm here for God. What are you trying to do with me? What are you trying to do? What, do you, what is it you want me to do? And so 
I always say, I, I tell people, um, a day without prayer is a day without power and strength. So if we keep on praying, whatever situation, don't lose faith in God. Just believe that he is building you and he's going to build what he needs to do. And he's going to put you in that circumstance that he wants you to after he takes all that out. Because prayer, sometimes it changes you until things change. And when those things change, that's when she talked about a pearl. I didn't know about the pearl, the pearl that the, the oyster has to be um, bruised in order for it to create the pearl. I thought, my goodness, <laughs> that's what we, 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 go, we go through the fire. And sometimes we just feel like, you know, she wanted to commit suicide. I thought, my goodness, you know, but that pearl, that pearl just it, it, being bruised, there's something that's because of a reason that God wants us to, to go through that it, because he has something for us. And so I, I, I mean, I'm just, I'm thankful that I, I heard this because it just gave me more faith, more trust. And it helped me to, to see that I'm not the only one going through stuff. Everybody goes through stuff. And that was what she went through was really hard. I went through a hard time. But I'm here. And because of God, and I kept holding on to God because every time I felt alone, I look to the side and there's nothing. And I'm like, Lord, I know you're here. So I'm going to grab onto your hand. I don't see you, but I can feel you. And I'm going to hold on to your hand because without you, I will not make this. I will end up back where I came from. And I didn't want that because I have two kids. I have a family. I need you. And all I want is for God to know that no matter what, not for my kids to know that no matter what, God is still God and will always be God. He will always be God no matter what. Stay strong, stay faithful, stay committed, and he will bring you through. I'm telling you, there's no other way but Jesus. No other name above but Jesus. And he will be the one to take you out of that fire, take you out of that, of that rut, that darkness, wherever you're at. Just hold on to his hand. And that was something that just, I, need, I, I learned and I received, and it was just tremendous, tremendous. So I just wanted to, you know, um, uh, share that with you and have faith. Have faith. The enemy is out there. The, my mom used to say, the devil never sleeps. The devil never sleeps. Just have faith and hold on to God. I promise you, you're going to get to where he wants you to be. The strength, believe, believing, and trusting that he's going to get you there. And he will. He will. And that's, thank you. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Sister Magda. Now, just in case you didn't catch this, let me clarify the Sister Flowers she was talking about was not my wife, Sister Flowers, or any relation to me. I grew up always being asked if I'm related to flowers in California, and the answer was always no. And to my knowledge, it still is the answer. Can we um, close our eyes and pray, Lord, I want to receive from you all that you have for me, Jesus. I want to know that you are working in my life, God. I want to know that your ways are still being done in me, God, and around me and and through me, Jesus, and all that's taking place in my life, I pray, let it be for your glory. 
God, even if I don't know how it can be, I pray because I trust and believe it still will be for your glory. In the name of Jesus. Would you look at the book of Job chapter 13? Look at verse 15. I just want you to see this one verse before we move on. I know you've heard part of this verse, likely. Job 13 and 15. The first part of this verse is a pretty popular uh, phrase. And Job speaking, he said, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Now, Basically, what that means is there's nothing God can do to me or in my life that's going to make me stop trusting him. If you remember the story of Job, he, he had a lot and he lost a lot. And then he said a lot and he had a lot said to him about his condition and the events of his life. Um, but here he's basically saying yeah, I know I've lost a lot. I know that God's done some harsh things around me, it looks like. But here's what's inside of me. He could actually kill me, take my life and cause my life to just be done. And even to that point, I wouldn't lose trust in him. He's also the man that said, I came into this world with nothing, and I'm going to leave with nothing. So this guy, Job, he really had his head on his shoulders, if I can put it that way. He knew well, at least what we know of him. Okay, I'm not going to make him uh, any more than what the Bible makes him, but the Bible does say he was perfect. So uh, he knew he had the kind of relationship with God that I want to have with God, which is God can do no wrong. That's a, that's a pretty strong statement. But to me, whatever he does, I'm going to allow it and I'm going to accept it as good. Amen. But here, the second part of this, and I feel like for some time now, the Lord has been dealing with me and with us as a congregation about the ability to be straightforward with God yourself. Be honest with Him. Be, be true and frank and clear with God. Don't be afraid to talk to God. If you came here looking for a word tonight, then just take that one because you can remember it, hopefully. Don't be afraid to talk to God. And I don't mean like, Oh, Heavenly Father! <laughs> That's not talking. That's doing something else. Um, don't be afraid to talk to God, as in, God, what are you doing? God, what am I doing? God, what is going on? Don't be afraid to talk to him. This is what Job said right after he said, the Lord can take my own life and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to stop trusting him. But, but, I will maintain mine own ways before him. Now, that doesn't mean exactly what it sounds like to us in, in our English language, because that means I'm just going to keep doing my own thing. I'm going to maintain, I'm going to, I'm going to do what I want to do. That's not what it means. It means I'm going to reason, I'm going to argue, I'm going to state, as I said on Sunday, I'm going to state my case. You can do that to God. I promise you, there's, if it's an honest one-on-one -on -one conversation between you and God, there's nothing you're going to say that's going to hurt his feelings. He, he's a big boy and he can take it. <laughs> so I can, Lord, 
you knew when I was 16 I wanted to be a drummer when I grew up. How come I'm still not a drummer? I mean, I'm honest with him. I'm, that's what it means by maintaining my own way. Uh, I'm not forgetting the things that I wish I could have done or would have done or you would have done with me and should have done through me. And I'm not, that's my side, Lord. And I am who you made me. I, I'm not anything else. I'm not going to pretend to be, especially in, in a time of one-on-one -on -one honest discussion with you, Lord. I'm not going to pretend to be something else. So I can talk to you this way with fear and reverence and respect and all those things. But I want to get to that point where Job was, where he said, I'm, me and the Lord are like this, and that's why I can, t I can speak my mind to him. That's why I can tell him where I'm at and what I want and what I need and what I wish, because I approach him correctly and I have this right relationship with him. I'm going to say this is going to seem completely unrelated, and maybe it in some ways is, but stay with me because that first phrase, though he slay me, yet will I trust him, is, is I think going to be a theme. When I, um, when I first, around the first time I first got, Around the time I first got married, uh, I started to hear uh, some ministry that I hadn't really heard and received from much before, and there was this idea that the church, not the building, but the, the people, the body of Christ, serves as our spiritual mother. What, so think about it in the natural sense. What does, a, what does a natural mother do? A natural mother, the way God made her, uh, is a nurturer, is a defender, is a teacher, and is an advocate and wants you to grow and learn and develop and act right. That's what the things natural moms do. And the spiritual is similar. If the church is operating and acting correctly, the church is going to want its individual members to act right, to be nurtured, to get what it needs. It's going to advocate for them. That's a, that's a ministry that the church provides it's individual saints. It does that through many different ways. But in addition to that idea of the church providing that mother side spiritually, the father side spiritually is not just God and your relationship with God. No, there is the ministry that should serve as, in part, a type of the father role or dimension of ministry in your life, spiritually. I've got five kids and I don't need any more. <laughs> I say that lovingly and jokingly. As much as I might want to go to different members of the congregation sometimes and say, just let me be the role of your father. That's, that's not what uh, God's design is in the natural. But in the spiritual, there is a father role in ministry that when that ministry is working and operating properly, just like the church working and operating properly helps the, the the individual grow and helps the individual feel cared for and loved. The, the father role should be helping provide spiritually. Now, I, I'm trying to be uh, uh, full of humility when I say this, but in the, in the fatherly role of, of provision, 
sometimes it's like the Lord will let me see not that I'm just sitting back judging, but he'll let me see an individual and say they really need more than what they have. They don't have a lot. And I'm not talking naturally, I'm talking spiritually. And your role, what you can do if it's allowed as this role of ministry is to help give and make up what's lacking. Provide, help provide. Do we, we, you, you hear this a lot in the terms of you know, being fed spiritually. Sometimes we, we think of it that way and we say, well, if the preacher preached a good message, well, then I was fed and that's okay. That's, that's good. That's part of it. But hopefully what's really taking place is the spiritual ministry going through the vessel is feeding your spirit. Hopefully you're not leaving with the thought that you just ate a big meal, right? You see the difference? We want to be edified. The ministry is for edification. Another fatherly role and dimension and function, and I, I, it's, I'm, not, I'm not trying to talk parenting tonight, but through the work of the father and the mother, a, a role is discipline. I use that word discipline when I really would rather, to get the point across, use the word punishment. But that's not a popular word. <laughs> and it's not ever something I really want to just go and do is punish somebody ever. I'm talking towards a subject that I haven't mentioned yet. Now I'm going to mention it. The subject is Submission to authority. But the reason I phrase it this way, and like I said, talking towards it, is if I had just got up here and said, we all need to submit to authority, you'd say amen, and you'd go home, and you wouldn't even really know exactly what I meant by that. I, told, I said it somewhere, you know submission when you have to do it. If you don't have to do it, you don't even know it. You don't know what it is. You haven't experienced it. You don't learn it. I could say I'm as submitted as the day is long, but if nobody's ever told me no about something, I don't know if I'm submitted or not. Because to submit means to take what I want to do and not do it because somebody told me not to do it. And if somebody's not telling me not to do something, I don't even get to exercise the idea of submission. Now you see why the role of fatherly discipline through ministry is necessary to grow and edify an individual spiritually. If all we ever did as the church, as the congregation, is you come here and I tell you how good you are. How you're on the right track. How nothing can stop you. And you're going to... If that's all we ever did, let me just ask you this way. What are you submitted to? There's nothing to, to even submit to. It's kind of like saying we're all going to go swim in the lake and we get there and there's no water. Well, let's just walk in and, and we'll do all the things. Get the beach ball and hit it still. And, you know, I hold my breath and pretend to go under and do all the things. What's missing? What's missing is the element that you've got to have to swim, which is the water. If I'm talking submission, what's missing? The element of the authority, the word, the instruction, the discipline, and if it's not there, there is no submission. And I know some people would say, well, if God wants me to change, he'll, he'll tell me to change. If he wants me to stop this, he'll tell me to stop this. If he, and, and I'm just waiting until God tells me that. Are you waiting till God tells you that or are you avoiding the word of God spoken 
that's really trying to address your situation. If, this, I'm going to try to say it this way, the phrase that I've been feeling. If your spiritual authority never tries to correct you, you are not submitted to spiritual authority. And, and that's n that may not even be a knock on you. It might be a knock on the fact that the spiritual authority is not operating. Do you understand? It's like a spoiled child that's never been told no. Who's to blame there? The child? No. Obviously, we know that the, the, the idea of discipline does not rest with the child. Oh, buddy, I wish you didn't do that. What can we do to, to maybe keep you from, stop, make you stop doing that? You got any ideas? What do you think would be a good, uh, I don't even want to use the word punishment, but what do you think would, how, how can I reward you if you do the thing right? What, what would you like to see? What would you like to see as the adequate reward for when you do right? It uh, makes me, puts a bad taste in your mouth, doesn't it? To think of parenting that way. No, a parent, part of what a parent has to do, if it's really going to discipline, is say, don't do this. If you do do that, there will be consequences. We understand that in the natural. So what's the equivalent in the spiritual? In the, the equivalent in the spiritual is the authority figure says, don't do this, and if you do it, expect consequences. Oh, the preacher just doesn't like me. Okay, that's a, that's a teenage attitude. The teenager would say, my mom doesn't like me. My dad doesn't like me. You don't want me to have fun. You, you don't want me to grow up. You don't want me to do this. Okay, uh, see what I'm doing? I'm going back and forth, the parallel. If we understand it in the natural, expect it in the spiritual, but I, uh, I got to know when my attitude spiritually is a teenage attitude. You just don't want me to have fun, Lord. You don't want me to experience life, Jesus. The only way you're telling me to, the only reason you're telling me to do that is because you want to control me. You're trying to run my life. Now I'm backing up again and I'm saying, if the spiritual authority in your life never even comes close to broaching these kinds of subjects, you don't have spiritual authority in your life over you. You might have something that you've convinced yourself is like authority, like a pastor, like a shepherd. <laughs> but imagine what kind of shepherd it is that just lets his sheep run wild and doesn't ever try to tell him, uh, there's a cliff over there. Uh, there's a clip. Oh, he missed it. Sorry, buddy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shepherd the ones that are close to me. What I feel like the Lord is wanting us to do is to not be surprised, first of all, when ministry from the Lord comes to you and feels like discipline. And I, I, when I say discipline, it's probably interpreted 30 different ways here. I'm not talking about getting you in trouble. I'm talking about getting you to do the right thing. To be disciplined does not mean, oh, I just get whooped all the time. No, to be disciplined means you know how to act and you act that way. Discipline is not, in this context, discipline is not a verb, it's not an action, it's a noun, it's something you have, something you possess. I think a lot of times we get off track when we think of discipline as the action, 
discipline me or let me discipline you. No, be disciplined. Receive that. Don't be surprised when elements of that come to you through ministry. I want to embrace that, Lord. I want to hear it, know that it's right, know that it's for me, and I want to act accordingly. Disciplined. Go to Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 5. Hebrews 12, 5. This is the Good News translation. It says it this way. Have you forgotten the encouraging words which God speaks to you as his children? King James says the exhortation. That means the encouraging words. My child, pay attention when the Lord corrects you. Despise not thou the chastening of the Lord. Pay attention when the Lord corrects you. Do not be discouraged when he rebukes you. Mm. I'll just, uh, let me sum it up this way. How you respond to being rebuked says everything about what's inside of you. How you respond to being rebuked. And I'm not trying to open the door for some I don't want you to be worried that something's coming. You understand? I I don't want to say anything more than what the Lord wants me to say. That's always the way I I want to operate. And I don't have anybody's number. Like I'm trying to get through saying this to everybody so one person hears me. Because you understand how we respond to being rebuked. And if you've never been rebuked, you don't know what's inside there. And if you've never been rebuked, wade out in the waters a little bit. What do I mean by that? Don't be afraid to get in trouble because you won't know how you respond to getting in trouble until you get in trouble. And I realize I'm setting myself up by saying that. But it's timidity and fear that would keep me from, I just don't want to do the wrong thing. I'm worried I'm going to say the wrong thing to somebody. or I'm, going to, I'm worried I'm going to try to invite somebody to church, but I'm going to say the wrong thing, and elders are going to be mad about how I said it. Mm-mm, don't be worried about that. That's what I mean by wade in the waters a little bit. Test yourself. And don't be worried, don't be afraid when it feels like the Lord's getting you in trouble. I got some rebuke stories, but I don't want to share them tonight. Verse 7. Endure what you suffer as being a father's punishment. I told you there's that word. Here it says chastening. Endure what you suffer as being a father's punishment. Your suffering shows that God is treating you as his children. Was there ever a child who was not punished by his father? For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? I was thinking about this the other day. How, how, uh, strange would it be if I took any one of your children and just said, well, here's the rules at our house, so you've got to follow them. I don't discipline other people's children. Thank the Lord. I feel like I don't even discipline my own enough sometimes. 
We're seeing who's listening tonight. But no, it's like the Lord just showed me a real quick, uh, silly example. You wouldn't get somebody else's child in trouble the way you get your child in trouble, and that's correct. It's not your job to parent them. But he says, it's my job to parent everybody, and if I'm not parenting them, what does that tell you about them? You ought to be able to tell which children are mine by how I parent them, how I discipline them, how I interact with them. That's the same in the Spirit. We ought to be able to tell who's a child of God, who is a child of God, by how He interacts with them in their life. Verse 8, if you are not punished as all his children are, it means you are not real children of God. You've got other parents. What did he tell the Pharisees? You're of your father, the devil. Oh, I just, I'm trying to not even go, go on this soapbox, but please let me for just a moment. Every, hear me, I'm not just trying to pick a bone. Every human being on this earth is not a child of God. We are not all His children until... You get the adoption letter, you open it up, and it says, do this to be adopted. The scripture says we have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we call him Father. Now, let me clarify, because all could be his children. He doesn't have a list like Santa Claus, a naughty and a nice list. And everybody on this list, nope, you'll never be. And everybody on this list, yep, you already are. It doesn't work like that. You understand? We, all, we are all His creation. We are all loved by Him. And every time the Scripture says the word all, or all men, or all people, or all, that's everybody, okay? But never one time in the Scripture does it say we are all God's children. I think the closest, if I can recall this, I, I spoke about it a few weeks ago, Acts uh, 17, where Paul is talking in Athens, and he says, certain of your poets have said we are his offspring. Okay, offspring in that context is not talking about you are my spiritual child and I'm your father and I've got, no, it means you're a human being. You're not a anything else. And boy, could I talk about that for a while in 2023. You are a human being and you're not in anything else. And he made them male and he made them female. So you are a human being and you're not in anything else. He made you that. With the ability to become his child. If he's not. If you are without chastisement. Then you are not his sons. That, that's what I'm trying to get across to us tonight. If I'm without chastisement, if never a negative word comes into my life, I'm without chastisement. And I don't mean negative like, oh, you rotten, no good. No, I don't mean that. I mean, you're doing something wrong and you need to do it right. If that never comes into my life, I can't even say I'm the, a child of God. Now, one more point of clarification. 
uh, because I talked about the church being the, the mother role. It is no one in this congregation's job or role individually to go to somebody else in this congregation and say, you're doing this wrong and here's how you need to do it right. That's nobody else's role in this congregation. Do you understand? The Lord set over congregations, leaders, authority. That's the person whose job it is, whose role it is to say, I'm observing some things in you that you probably should correct. I don't want you listening and saying, I'm making notes about what Elder said so I can go straight to so-and-so and make sure they heard. That's not the mother's role. That's not the spiritual mother's role. <laughs> I can remember a time vividly in my childhood where my mother tried to discipline my brother and I without my father present. And I just laughed because of the memory. I'm not trying to be rude or, or anything like that. But we know, and I was talking to somebody just the other day about how privileged, if I can use that word, a, a, a young person is if they still have a mother and a father in their home. Privileged is probably the wrong word to use. Blessed is what you are if you have a mother and a father in your home. Even still, with the mother and a father, it's not like we always get this right 100% of the time because we just happen to have both sets of parents. No. But we get to observe the natural way that God created us. And when the father doesn't discipline, the mother feels like if he's not going to do it, I got to do it. Things are out. Even just by that point, things are so far out of line that whatever is going to try to be done is not going to work. That's the best case scenario. But we got, we got a lot of churches, and I say we, not like that I'm connected to, but we got a lot of churches out there in church land with no daddies, but a bunch of mamas that want to run around trying to act like the father and saying, let me tell you what you're doing wrong and let me tell you what you're doing right. My friend, that is not the way God designed it. But it's, it's the same as in the house. If the mom see, doesn't see the dad doing what the dad's supposed to do, the mom automatically does it. Well, we all want to be Christian, so moms are running around trying to produce Christians. Spiritually. The only reason they would even do that is because the absence of the father role in ministry. Verse 10, our human fathers chastened us, punished us for a short time as it seemed right to them. But God does it for our own good so that we may share in his holiness. When we are punished, verse 11. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous. It's not fun. It's not light. That's another way you know whether it's ever happened or not. Yeah. The child gets mad at the dad, usually, for a little bit, if they're a normal child, acting, reacting the normal way. Why? Because you don't normally treat me like this. 
You don't normally talk to me like this. Right. We're finally getting through. We're finally getting home to you. You don't always get talked to like this because normally you do right. And when you do wrong, that's when you hear this. That's when you witness this side. It doesn't seem to be joyous for the present, but grievous nevertheless. Afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. This is the result. You have a righteous result. You can stand with me. This is what I want the Lord to produce in us. Righteousness. Righteousness. I'm not going to get righteousness without proper authority over my life. And without it operating the way it should. I've got to allow it in my life, first of all. It starts there. I want, Lord, I want spiritual authority operating in my life correctly. And if it's not, and if I'm not receiving it, if, if, I, if I'm not feeling it, Lord, lead me and teach me what I need to do to get it in my life, because I've got to have it to have righteousness. Let's pray. Lord, I desire righteousness in my life, to be true and to be right. I desire to be holy before you, God. Jesus, I want to know what is right and wrong. And I want you to show me, and even in myself, Lord, when you've got to use discipline, when you've got to use authority, Lord, I want it to be done in my life. I want to hear and know, God. I want to receive it from you, Lord Jesus. Teach me and show me, God, what is your way. Illuminate your light to my path, Lord. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray, establish your authority over my life. God, I want it to be right. I want it to be accurate. Jesus, I want to have that submitted attitude in me. Lord, and whatever you need to do to prove it, to test it, and to try it, Lord. I pray let it be done in my life. Let it be done in my life, Lord Jesus. We pray it in Jesus' name. We thank you for it, Father. Amen. Jesus' name, you're dismissed.